I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. If you love good food and you've lived in St. Louis for any length of time, you almost certainly know who Natasha Barami is. It's clear, I literally grew up crawling in the restaurant business. There are still guests that come to Cafe Natasha today that say, I remember you in diapers. She's the daughter of immigrants from Iran who introduced St. Louis to their native cuisine to spectacular success. And Natasha grew up in their restaurants, first the Little Kitchen, which opened downtown in 1983, and then Cafe Natasha's. The 28-year-old restaurant is still going strong today. And Natasha herself is a huge reason for that. She's now the owner and managing partner of Cafe Natasha's and also the proprietor of the gin-focused bar inside of it, the Gin Room. It's the fun of exploration, of seeing like um, what kind of flavor profiles, whether you like floral or citrusy, or maybe some people enjoy savory and such. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis on the Air continues right after this. Hi, I'm Alex Hoyer, executive producer for St. Louis on the Air. Before today's episode, I want to take a moment to say thank you for listening and choosing this podcast. Our team works hard to provide nuance on the news that shapes your life and your community. We wouldn't be able to do this without your support. The money you give to St. Louis Public Radio helps fund this podcast. So please go to stlpr.org donate and give an amount that works for you. Your contribution, along with that of your neighbors, is what fuels St. Louis on the air. We're really grateful. And again, that website is stlpr.org slash donate. And thanks. So, Natasha Barami, welcome. Hello, hello. So, it's such a pleasure to be here. So, Natasha, I know you joined us today to talk about gin, and I promise I will get to that in a minute. Love to talk about gin. Um, But first, I want to talk about the bigger picture for a moment. It's been such a hard time for restaurants after a full year of this pandemic. How is Cafe Natasha's doing? We're definitely in survival mode, just like most restaurants here, going through all the obstacles that come on a daily basis to us. But honestly, we've seen such a beautiful support and response from the St. Louis community, how well that they've adjusted to takeout and really supporting their favorite restaurants, bars, and and community here during the last year we've gone through has been amazing to see. Another reason why we love St. Louis so much. Hmm. I know on top of everything else, a pipe burst in the apartment upstairs from your restaurant. And part of why I know this is because when you posted about this, it went viral. Everybody was saying, hey, you know, get dinner from Cafe Natasha's as soon as they're reopened. Is that the kind of reaction you're talking about there? That's exactly it. When we think and a disaster hits us and We try our best to turn it into as positive as we can. It's always the St. Louis community, our guests who have become our family, who support us in that way and have allowed us to survive the 35 years we've been here. And we cannot thank them enough. 
Hmm. So I feel like part of why you have this bond with the community and people all feel like Cafe Natasha's is their restaurant um, is because the food is, is classic. It's what your family has always been doing. But it is it's better than ever these days. And, and this is not just a nostalgic experience. You've made some really big upgrades into the wine and the cocktails and, and other innovations. Is it important to keep moving even while you also keep some things the same? Absolutely. What's really beautiful to see is we haven't changed the menu at Cafe Natasha in indefinitely over a decade. Mm-hmm. has not changed where a lot of restaurants seasonally change um, their flavors, whatever they're showing off on that time. We have stayed the same. What you may have noticed right now, um, although Hamish Bahrami, who is my mother, and um, my mother and father started this restaurant in 1983. Um, Hamish has now even taken stronger reins of the kitchen, and apparently our guests are noticing. They're like, why does the food taste even better? Can you imagine the same quote-unquote chef in the kitchen since 1983? So she's definitely... been even a deeper hand within what we're doing at Cafe Natasha. But hmm. in 2014, we um, added the gin room into Cafe Natasha, uh, a, a gin-centric bar program. And most recently, we have ha- added a natural wine program mm-hmm. into our, our beverage program at Cafe Natasha. And this this natural wine program, I mean, you've just got some terrific wines on there, a really nice price point. It might not be what people are expecting when they come to a family restaurant. I mean, this feels like this is something you could get at the fanciest restaurant in town. Well, what I've always said, when I moved back from Washington, D.C. to St. Louis to open a gin bar in St. Louis rather than on the East or West Coast, I always felt that... Um, the coasts were five to ten years ahead of what we were doing in the Midwest, and it frustrated me, and I wanted to change that. Why can't we, in every restaurant, everything that we're going to, have that slightly elevated experience? That elevated experience could be that one-on-one kind of contact. It can be someone intentionally picking out beautiful wines at a good price for you so you can engage both all your senses together for that more amazing dining experience. Hmm. We just want to provide a bit extra. Do you feel like St. Louis is making inroads on that that time zone? We're maybe not quite so many years behind as when you first came back? We are above and beyond right now. I am so impressed by the St. Louis um, culinary scene, bar scene, the community, art. Everything has just been even more exciting right now. So I definitely don't think we were in a place that we were maybe 10, 15 years ago. And we are exploding here, something I'm very proud to be part of. So, yeah, you are part of that. You have uh, the gin room. This opened on site in 2014. What made you first fall in love with gin and decide this is what you wanted uh, for this cocktail program? This is the fun part. Um, I would say I mean, it's clear I literally grew up crawling in the restaurant business. There are still guests that come to Cafe Natasha today that say, I remember you in diapers. And it's true. It's, it's absolutely where we've come from. But what has happened now is that 
all of us who've grown up in this industry, it's driven us to our passions. Um, I said that the restaurant industry drove me to drink. Um, (laughs) That's the fun part of it. But honestly, it drove me to understand that there's um, deeper nuances, whether it's within food or in spirits, and really getting excited about that. I fell in love with gin through an experience at another St. Louis bar. I, I can't directly remember what it was, but um, they introduced me to my favorite dirty martini, which happened to be the use of gin. And at that point in my life, I didn't understand that. And it drove me down the rabbit hole into the category of gin, which I have apparently um, uh, continued to dive into for the last 15 years or so here. And gin is something where I feel like you can devote your life to looking into it and you still don't exhaust the subject. I mean, this is something where there are so many options. Have you found yourself as you've pursued this this gin passion that you've been on one gin track and then you you switched to a different kind of profile and, and find yourself weaving or have you stayed on the one road? It's exactly, I think you've hit it on the nose completely. The journey that I have become begun years ago, I see my guests doing the same journey. We go from, oh, I had a bad experience in high school or in college, whatever year we started drinking, <laughs> and um, we never went back to maybe that gin or that tequila or whatever we had had. But right now, especially with the American craft spirits movement, the, the larger spectrum of gin, because we went from the United States had maybe five to six gins um, that were coming into the U.S. Now we have thousands of gins, many of them made right here in the United States. Um, when I started the gin room, we had two um, Missouri gin distilleries. That was Pickney Ben, which some are familiar with, and Spirits of St. Louis Distillery in Square One. And we now, at this date, have over 15 gin distilleries. Wow. That is a massive explosion. That is the entire Missouri, entire St. Louis, embracing the growth of this spirit, not only from the distributors to the guests to people who have been coming out of the closet saying, wait, I love gin, too. We know this is a beer and bourbon town. We know that. Beer, bourbon, and barbecue. Yet, it seems like we've become the center of gin in the United States as well. And as part of that, I mean, you were recently inducted into the Gin Hall of Fame. This is an international thing. What did that mean to you? Well, um, I am still kind of trying to embrace this because it is such um, a magnitude of an uh, accolade that prior to this, um, five of five of us were four of us were inducted this year. Prior to that, only five people in the world had been inducted into the Gin Hall of Fame. Hmm. All of those were global master distillers. They have now. It seems that we who are what I would call maybe a global gin ambassador. In a way, obviously, we host platforms all over the country to educate in the category of gin, and it's really such um, a beautiful show to say 
the United States, it's the first time the U.S. has been inducted into the Gin Hall of Fame, showing that we're more than just the numbers in the U.S., that the potential that the U.S. has in the category of gin is amazing. Hmm. So here you are, you're a global gin ambassador, and I want you to speak to all those people out there who think they hate gin just because they don't know any better, they want to drink boring vodka. What is a good gateway gin to get them started on this path? Well, um, the first thing is understanding that every gin is not for everybody, Hmm. and that's really the fun. It's the fun of exploration, of seeing, like, um, what kind of flavor profilers, profiles, whether you like floral or citrusy, or maybe some people enjoy savory and such. And so really being open to try um, at the gin room, we have something called the gin experience. And what you're doing is you're kind of getting a spectrum of different flavor profiles of gin. And usually, guess is even if it's their first time, they say, I don't like gin. Help, help prove me wrong. And it's fun because they start seeing that it's not always what they thought it was. And there's so many flavors there. It's hard for me as a, a, someone who's embracing the category of gin to say one particular gin mm-hmm. that would be a good starting gin for anyone. Because really, as I said, it's such a particular type of thing. We would love to be able to engage and really find the right gins for each particular person. So Um, so you really want to be a gin concierge for somebody. This is a customized journey. It's what we've done for the last um, seven years now at the gin room and allowing people to come and really help find their way for themselves. Once they get there, they, they dive down their own rabbit hole in the category of gin. Hmm. Well, Natasha, it's so great to hear the passion in your voice. It's so clear that you have found your calling. And, and it's just great that it's also within this very same restaurant that you grew up. Did your parents encourage you to join them, or, or were they saying, run away, run away? Well, um, I think they've always pushed, pushed for education. They've always pushed for pushing myself farther than I have ever thought I could go. And so it's exactly what I did. Um, They were, I was so, that I have parents that want me to succeed in this way, and they didn't want to thwart me by saying, you can only be in this restaurant and run this restaurant. This is the rest of your life. They have never said that to me. Hmm. They allowed me to move to New York, move to outside of the country, Spain, Lebanon, move to D.C. and still come back, use everything that I learned and implement that. They did say, if I'm going to make the changes, and it happened in our 30th anniversary, that I had to move back to St. Louis. So it was a decision that I made happily. I was ready to move back to the city and move back to St. Louis, and I think it's one of the best decisions I made to come back and open the gin room inside inside of Cafe Natasha And I think it's been amazing to allow Cafe Natasha to explode without changing who it is and allowing us to add all these additions. And it's just an extra bonus when you come to Cafe Natasha. So this was the bargain from your parents that if you're going to do all this meddling, you got to do it here. You have that. I asked them, yeah, okay. It was, there was their bargain. I said, give me one more year. I took that year to learn everything I could and then move back. And so I'm, I'm here now, and happily, instead of feeling stuck, I'm feeling 
that I am so happy I made the decision to move back to St. Louis. Hmm. I've heard that the key for cities like St. Louis is to capture boomerangs like that, the people who've gone away, to get them to realize, hey, you can have this great life if you come back. Do you feel like your story here and and the success you've had um, is a testament to that? I think it's absolutely. No matter where I've traveled in the world, I feel like the people in St. Louis are some of the best people I've ever met in my life. The guests who have watched all the years through Captain Natasha, they're not my guests anymore. They're our family. It's why we're still doing what we're doing. It's why um, my mother, who's been doing this for 35 years, is still okay doing it. When she comes out of the kitchen and she gets um, socially distanced virtual hugs (laughs) from our guests, it makes it all worse why we're doing what we're doing. Well, that's it's just so great to hear. And I don't know if anybody else is feeling what I'm feeling right now, but just hearing you talk about this, man, I am getting hungry and it makes me want to go to Cafe Natasha's. Last question, if people are feeling like they want to check out this individualized gin tasting tour with everything going on right now, things still being socially distanced, is that something they should book ahead of time or can they just plunk themselves down on, on a bar stool and do that? Thank you for asking this question. We, we have gotten an onslaught of guests right now, which we love every single one of them. The earlier, the better. If you come to get a gin experience, come between 3 and 5 p.m. It could be on a Saturday. It can be on a Sunday. It can be on a weekday. But it's harder for us on a Friday and Saturday peak time to give that one-on-one experience. So we have uh, online reservations. If you make them earlier in any given day, you're more uh, likely to get that one-on-one experience that we really wish to share with each and every one of all of our guests. All right. Well, that is good news you can use. So Natasha Barami, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.